0: I'm just going to spend a bit of time now uh, talking about one of the areas that uh, church society is currently thinking about, and that is how we can best support ministers who hold what we would call a complementarian view uh, of church ministry. That is uh, the idea that uh, male headship is appropriate in the church, although there might be uh, diversity about exactly how that pans out in a particular situation, as opposed to what's uh, commonly called egalitarian ministry, which is the view that uh, men and women can perform exactly the same functions uh, in a church. Uh, And also thinking more broadly about how to promote complementarian patterns of ministry in the Church of England as a whole, both at a a local and a national level. Now, this isn't to say that we want to become a single-issue society, or for complementarianism to become the sole defining feature of our membership... Um, That's not at all the case. Uh, We recognise that there is a spectrum of views on this issue within church society, um, and our hope and desire is very much that this particular aspect of church society's work can take place in the context of a a gracious, constructive engagement with those who hold different views um, at all levels of the Anglican Church. But uh, given uh, the new situation in the Church of England, which has emerged over the last... 12 months, uh, with the consecration of several female bishops, uh, and also the announcement of Rod Thomas as the new Bishop of Maidstone, as a representative of complementary and conservative evangelicals in the Church, uh, and also the introduction of the five guiding principles. Uh, It is clear that one of the, the questions we now need to be asking is how can church society, which um, in many ways is now going to form a a natural home for conservative evangelicals with a complementarian framework who want to remain within the Church of England, how can we represent and support those who do hold complementarian views and enable them to flourish in the Anglican Church? And there's a number of ways church society can do this. for example, through patronage, as we've just been hearing, uh, matching faithful gospel ministries, uh, ministers to parishes, um, perhaps where their complementarian views might have excluded them from other posts. Church society can offer advice to clergy who find themselves under the authority of a female bishop and unsure how to respond. Uh, and we can provide leadership for our constituency in our response to further unfolding developments within the Church of England. We can encourage women and men who hold conservative evangelical views to stand for general synod and other bodies so that conservative evangelicals can get a full and fair representation at all levels of the Church of England. And church society can also raise awareness of other kinds of women's ministry, such as supporting well-trained female Bible teachers on church staff teams and promoting ways to train and equip lay women to exercise their teaching gifts within a complementarian framework. And this is particularly important as a way of countering um, a rather narrow definition of women's ministry um, in which ordination and preaching are seen as the the only valid options for a woman to use her teaching gifts uh, and everything else is portrayed as somehow inferior. After all, what better way to counter the myth that conservative evangelicals are opposed to women's ministry... Than by actively investing in it. Uh, we don't want to give anyone an excuse to say church society is against women's ministry in its broadest sense. And we need to be modelling a gracious, humble, and winsome engagement with the wider church at deanery, diocesan, and national level in a way that gives glory to God and enables conservative evangelicals to play a full part in the structures of the Church of England. So there's lots that we can be doing, but uh, today, in keeping with uh, the theme of this session, uh, I want to look at an area where the rubber really hits the road um, for complementarian ministers, and that is on the ground in the local church. What will it look like for complementarian patterns of ministry to flourish and glorify Christ in the local church? Perhaps particularly in a scenario that's becoming more and more common, which is where a complementarian minister may take up an incumbency, in a non-evangelical church. Uh, And so what I want to do briefly is just set out um, some of the issues which have come up as we've researched this issue by talking to incumbents, um, surveying a handful uh, of ministers, often in the first few years of their incumbency, uh, and to highlight some of the ways that church society needs to be supporting our church leaders. And probably one of the biggest issues that a new minister will face is simply one of perception. Repeatedly, uh, clergy report being met with a mixture of surprise and suspicion from congregation members when their complementarian views become known. Occasionally, that manifests itself as outright hostility, but more commonly, the response is simply bafflement. Uh, And I think we need to understand this from a lay perspective, um, because this shouldn't surprise us. Now, we rightly want to spend a lot of time talking about our fellowship in the gospel with evangelicals who sit under the authority of scripture and have come to different conclusions about the roles of men and women in the church as a matter of theological conviction. But I think it's fair to say, and I think I can say this as a a lay person myself, that that isn't generally the position held by many lay people in many churches up and down the country. Now, this isn't to underestimate the intelligence of lay people, but I think it's simply important to recognise that uh, many people, particularly in a non-evangelical church, will have had no clear teaching on this from any theological perspective. Uh, And into that vacuum, the combined influences of change within the Church of England, liberal theology, a trickle-down effect of feminism and gender theory from academia into the cultural mainstream one-sided media coverage, uh, and wider cultural pressures have created an assumption that egalitarian views are just self-evidently correct nowadays. So in other words, the prevailing uh, view in most churches is what we might call ambient egalitarianism. That is, it's been dictated predominantly by society and culture rather than by theological conviction. In fact, many church members may never even have come across a church leader under the age of 60 who takes a complementarian view. Uh, And that may explain why why the response is often initially just polite incredulity. Uh, And we also need to recognise that, perhaps particularly among female church members who've been heavily influenced by secular feminism, their response may initially just be one of deep offence. And this cultural context makes it very difficult to be heard right, Uh, especially, I think, perhaps by lay women. And so ministers who hold complementarian views have a lot of work to do in overcoming negative cultural baggage associated with their views. And I think in this context, we just can't state often enough the equal value, dignity, and worth of women in God's sight. Again, let's not give anyone an easy excuse just to say, oh, the new vicar doesn't like women. Complementarians may, for example, need to speak up louder than anyone on contemporary issues of injustice against women. Domestic abuse, global female illiteracy, misogynistic online trolling. Just to show up, the false view commonly implied in the media that feminism is the only response to these things, Uh, particularly when a biblical worldview on these matters actually offers a lot more consistency and coherence in its response. Uh, And cares needed not to give needless offence, with casual sexism or lazy gender stereotypes and sermon illustrations and anecdotes, for example. A congregation may also uh, contain a number of people who hold the right view, but uh, not necessarily for the right reasons, um, simply reliance on church tradition or unreconstructed male chauvinism. Others may hold complementarian views, but without really being able to articulate why. Uh, And as a result, they may have become what we might call shy complementarians, who who feel uh, they need to keep quiet about their views. So so there's a need for clear teaching in our churches um, on this issue for all these groups. Uh, And that's something church society is very keen to help with by modelling a a positive complementarian perspective. But the the big question for many incumbents is how and when to introduce this kind of teaching. And and it seems from the limited amount of research I've done that there is a certain amount of anxiety about this among new incumbents. Uh, Bring it in too early and you risk alienating your congregation or being defined by that one issue when you'd rather be defined by the gospel. Leave it too late and you risk uh, never teaching clearly on it at all. Uh, Leaving your church... uh, Ten years down the line, no clearer on the issue than you were when you arrived, which of course can be very unhelpful for the next appointment. Uh, Responses from more experienced incumbents suggest that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to tackling this. Um, Incumbents I spoke to took a variety of approaches, from explicit thematic teaching in Sunday services and putting on special seminars, uh, to simply dealing with the subject as and when it came up. Uh, in regular preaching programs, or, for example, by more targeted teaching to the PCC and wardens. Uh, And one thing church society can do here is um, help point people towards helpful teaching resources, perhaps particularly those that are accessible uh, to lay people without formal theological education. And so one thing we're doing is currently working on a list of recommended books and other resources uh, that an incumbent might be able to point his congregation towards, for example... Now, as I've said, for most incumbents, this probably wouldn't be the top teaching priority on arriving at a new church or the issue they would choose to focus on first, although sometimes circumstances can force incumbents' hands on that. Um, and in a church where uh, the gospel is not clear, preaching Christ crucified will, of course, always be the priority. Um, again, this isn't about becoming a single-issue uh, constituency. And similarly, there'll be little point expounding a complementarian viewpoint if the congregation aren't clear on the authority of Scripture. Even in a more broadly evangelical church, there may be groundwork to do on principles of scriptural interpretation uh, to show that a complementarian perspective is a reasonable and faithful interpretation of the Bible rather than an outdated uh, minority view based on a few crazy proof texts. In fact, I think more broadly, perhaps one of the most important things conservative evangelicals can do, both individually and within church society, is find good ways of communicating that complementarian views come from scripture, rather than simply misogyny or antiquated church tradition. Because we can't take it for granted that people understand where we're coming from on this... Um, For example, earlier this week, the Telegraph reported on how some influential groups within the Church of England have been campaigning for changes to the liturgy to refer to God as female. And um, the Telegraph's online version of that report included an online reader poll where uh, you were asked, should God be referred to as a woman? And the response options were, don't know, yes, there is no reason why not, or no, the Church should stick with tradition. So, in other words, complementarian views on gender in the church are being popularly portrayed as based on tradition rather than on the Bible, and we can't assume that everybody in our churches uh, understands the difference. Establishing the authority of scripture is also vital when it comes to one of the other main difficulties um, for new incumbents um, that's come up in the, the conversations and survey work I've done, and that is inheriting a church which has previously had egalitarian ministry patterns. For example, a church may in the past have had female readers or preachers, um, even a female presbyter, Uh, and they may have sent women to BAPs and on for ordination training, um, often with the the warm support of the church family. Uh, And frequently, these women's ministry has been genuinely helpful to the congregation. Um, They've been faithful servants of the church family, and so complementarian teaching can not only be seen as a personal attack on well loved former members of the congregation, but it can also create, to borrow a phrase from Ed Shaw's very helpful recent work on same sex relationships, it creates a plausibility problem because egalitarian ministry has been seen as a positive experience by the congregation in the past. So we need to find ways to graciously acknowledge the contribution of these women while encouraging people to form their own views on the subject from scripture rather than from experience alone. Perhaps even more tricky for the new incumbent with complementarian views is inheriting a parish in which women are currently exercising a a preaching and teaching ministry. Now, of course, different incumbents will vary in the extent to which uh, they're happy to allow women to teach and preach under male headship, even along a complementarian spectrum. Uh, so, I'm not pushing one particular opinion on that here. But, whatever an individual minister's position on that issue, again, we need to find ways to help incumbents find gracious and sensitive ways to handle inherited ministry patterns and to work with gifted women in their congregations in a way that models Christ like headship. Church Aside is also very keen to encourage women to take on as many appropriate roles in the local church as possible. We long to see women trained and equipped to serve in all sorts of areas of church life, including ministries that involve teaching and leading, from children's work and youth work to serving on the PCC or as a warden, leading prayers in other parts of the service, running or helping with small group Bible studies, one-to-one discipleship of other women, standing for deanery synod or general synod, giving testimonies or interviews, the list could go on. Uh, Indeed, putting capable, godly women up front in visible roles in church services and entrusting them with responsibilities in church life can go a very long way towards dispelling the preconception that a complementarian vicar is opposed to women's ministry per se. Often, however, the problem may not be inheriting a church in which women need to be encouraged to take on more roles, In practice, I think it's widely acknowledged that most parish churches around the country would grind to a halt without the involvement of an army of highly capable, faithful, prayerful, gifted laywomen. However, many, not all, but many of these women will have uncritically absorbed this ambient egalitarianism from prevailing church culture and the society around them. And again, the challenge here is, is to train and enable these fantastic women to exercise their gifts according to God's patterns for men and women in the church. And this, of course, often goes hand in hand with an urgent need to train both male and female leaders in the church in how to handle the word of God correctly. Because enabling complementarianism to flourish isn't just about what the women do, it's also about what the men do. And another issue that came up uh, often in my fairly small survey sample, was the lack of mature Christian men in the church capable of taking on leadership roles and working in complementarian ways alongside women. And a genuinely complementarian approach to ministry in the local church will also seek ways to train and encourage Christian men to grow in maturity and take on leadership roles in that church. So those are just a few of the issues currently facing complementarian incumbents as they seek to hold out Christ in their parishes, Uh, and it's our hope that church society uh, will take the lead in supporting, resourcing, and encouraging conservative evangelical women and men as we seek to work out in practice what it's going to look like for them to flourish in the local church. Thank you.